In counterplot, Sarah joins forces with the Doctor and Stephen. Then in Coronus of the Sun, the Doctor plots to give the Daleks a fake Terranium core. In the Feast of Stephen, the crew have a toast to Christmas. And finally, in Volcano, an old foe of the Doctor's returns to exact their revenge. But will it work? This is the Daleks Master Plan Part 2. Welcome to Regenerated. Regenerated. I am Matt and I am joined by Becky. Hello. And this is episode 21 of Regenerated. Apologies, there was no episode last week. To be fair, mentally I didn't feel up to it. I felt a little bit fried so I had to have a little bit of a week off. This week we'll be returning with the next four episodes uh, which I think are counterplot, Coronus of the Sun, The Feast of Stephen and oh, what's the last one? I can't remember what the last one is. Um, we'll have to have a look. It's Volcano. It's the one, Volcano. This week, the first two episodes are going to be a little bit of a struggle because I did watch them last week, anticipating that we were going to do the podcast, but we ended up not doing it. So I'm a little bit sort of hazy on the plot details. But the last two, The Feast of Stephen and Volcano, we watched today as we're recording this. So they're a little bit more fresher in the memory. So... We'll have to sort of kind of have more of a, a looser feel for the first uh, two episodes. So, obviously, if we can remember from the last episode, um, I think it was a big episode, if I remember right, because I think two people died in that episode. Didn't uh, Katarina and Brett both die in the same episode? I think the Traitors, I think it was called. I think so. So, that's where we kind of picked up, pick it up, because, uh, as you remember, Sarah, she actually killed Brett. Then she went running out to this like sort of second guard and said about, you know, pursue them, but shoot them in the head. That's basically where we're up to. The Doctor and Stephen, they go into this sort of the first sort of room that they can sort of uh, come to and hide to. They hide in this room and there's a sort of machine in the middle of the room with these mice in, which the Doctor thinks is some sort of like transmitter. So Stephen then hears somebody at the door, only for it to be Sarah, who's been following them and... Uh, She's in turn being followed by Maverick. Is it Chan or Chen? Chen. We 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 had this debate on the the first Chen. lot. So yeah, I think it's Chen, isn't it now? So so if you remember, uh, Maverick had this sort of second in command called Colton. He was kind of following Sarah as well. While Sarah, Stephen, and the Doctor are in this room, there's a sort of like white flashing light because they've like uh, activated this machine, this transmitter, and then. We find out a little bit later on it's actually a cellular, cellular, a cellular. Oh, I've got tongue on. Cellular. That's the one. Uh, dissemi- dissemination or something like that. Anyway, 
basically the Doctor, Stephen and Sarah, they're transmitted through space to the planet Mira. The Daleks have received no word from from Chen about the core and uh, Chen is then told that the mice device has reassembled fine on another planet. Chen has this like sort of speech about uh, how he's going to take control from the Daleks. Again, we all know that that's not going to really happen with the Daleks because they're too probably powerful. And oh uh, well, yeah, they're shooting on sight. Yeah, and we do get into that in a little bit uh, later on in a couple of episodes. Apart time. from the Doctor, everyone else seems to be stupid when it comes to. Well, I think everyone underestimates the Daleks. They see them well, as no, they just think, oh yeah, they're robots. You know, they're stupid, but they're not. Well, they're not robots. They are organic. It's just the casing that's called mm. robotic. But anyway, the the Doctor then awakens, like I say, on Mira. But he's got the core. If you can remember, he stole the core. And so does uh, Stephen, who steals the gun from Sarah, who's unconscious. And then there's some invisible footprints uh, across the surface of the planet. The Doctor and Stephen then join, join up again from being separated by the machine. And then... Sarah awakens and basically she's sort of forced to join the Doctor and Stephen and become like one of their sort of sort of call Pretty her much a, the a same companion. as what happened with Katarina then. Yeah, basically, yeah. So she's sort of it's the lesser of two evils, I just think. You know, she's in this predicament. She's got to get out of it. The only way she can kind of do it is to join forces with the Doctor. The Daleks are then informed that the Doctor is on uh, is on Mira, so obviously they need to get this core. So they go in pursuit. The Doctor then figures out what has happened with that machine, with the mice in, and that it's uh, probably sending a signal back, as, like I say, as a transmitter. The Daleks then arrive on Mira. Then the Daleks stumble across these creatures that are invisible. They can't see them, so they just decide, decide to fire at any movement on the planet. And then they discover, obviously, that these beings are invisible. The Doctor then senses something... Um, yeah, but in the, even in like the Invisible Man or something like that, right? When you fire upon someone, they then become visible. So, well, but then the fact that they don't, kind of, it's kind of like well, well, the the Dalek sort of ray, it's sort of when it fires at people, it does sort of have that glow around their bodies. So you kind of do get the outline of the creature. So yeah, until later episodes where you actually see the whole skeleton. Mm, yeah. So the doctor then senses something. Obviously, these uh, these uh, beings, invisible beings, and Sarah tells Stephen about Brett being dead, and we find out that actually it was her brother. So that's obviously how they kind of knew each other from the last episode. The traitors, if you remember, Brett was a little bit sort of you know he knew obviously who Sarah was. We've now found out that actually they were related. So she killed her own brother, Becky. Yeah, I can understand that feeling. I was going to say there's probably a, a few. Uh, siblings out there who probably feel the same way sarah then senses something yeah especially when you have one who's a nut job well there's probably a lot of people out there who've got brothers or sisters that are a little bit of a, a nut job as you describe them so well, i don't know they could be a class a fruit loop instead well, maybe who knows but Each... what's worse a nut job or a fruit loop well, it makes all sorts this world anyway Sarah senses senses something or touch her, and then the Dalek, uh, then the Doctor knows that there are these invisible beings there. But Brett had to be killed. Shut up. Brett Byrne was my brother. 
Leave her, my boy. There's nothing we can do. She finally believes us. Something touched me. Talk, Stephen. Listen to me, both of you. This is the planet Myra. And the only beings on here are the Vizians. We can't see them, but they're very vicious. We must try to get away from here as soon as possible. But how? I don't know yet. I found that in the Daleks' master plan, you get to see like the Doctor's sort of intuition, his genius a lot. He sort of knows a lot about what's happening, uh, more than obviously the companions, and sometimes more than what the Daleks do. It's quite funny. He's kind of know-all or call him because the doctor is a being as well he's sort of a know-all being then the end of the episode is basically the doctor he discovers the daleks are on the planet and they've surrounded the doctor Stephen, and sarah and then he basically says the daleks have won and that's the end of the episode then we go into the next episode which is coronas the sun interesting title that because as there's no real sun in this episode i don't think this one uh, was uh, written by Dennis Spooner. So, like we said in the last episode, Terry Nation. Yep, Terry Nation, he writ like half the episodes. Dennis Spooner writ the other half. This is actually one of Dennis Spooner's episodes. Again. Half, he, not half. Half, half. Half. Bath, bath. No, half is with an F, not a TH. Oh, that's just how you say it. No, it's not. Okay. We'll take your pronunciation. So yeah, so half is between the teeth. Half <laughs> is it with your lip. Well, thank you for um, our grammar lesson for the day. You always well, sort of have gra- to sneak that grammar. in there every episode. It's not grammar; it's phonics. Well, same thing. I'd never done phonics at school, Becky. Well, you never done literacy my... or English either, apparently. <laughs> yeah, if you sometimes listen to what I come out with, and yeah. So, the doctor is told to hand over the court. The Doctor then calls the, sort of the Daleks bluffs by saying, you know, you wouldn't dare fire on us because of the core. And if it's destroyed, then obviously all them 50 years would be wasted. So he just there's a, a little bit of a distraction and the Doctor sort of flees. The Daleks are fi- firing at Will and trying to exterminate all them invisible beings on the planet. Oh, where's Will and what did he do? I know, I know. Firing at will. I know. The problem is, every time someone says fire at will, it's like, well, one, where is he and what did he do? I know. Poor Will. The Doctor then approaches the Dalek ship. The Doctor approaches one of the Daleks and Stephen and Sarah end up putting mud in the eye of the Dalek so they can get into the ship and launch. Like I say, got to remember... You know what they need to be armed with? I just thought about this. Of every reference to a Dalek story... Everyone needs to be armed with paintball guns. Well, just a thought. This is not the first time that the Dalek Eye has been like the sort of weak point. That it was or a done. Flamethrower. Um, wasn't that uh, in the Daleks? The very first story, I think the Daleks. Flamethrower. They did it. Even, yeah, but, even, even Spaceballs done it with a jar of jam. Yeah, but you say about a, th- a flamethrower, but we already know that the Daleks can go in sand. They can be buried in sand. They can go in the water. So they're probably flameproof right, as may- well. Yeah, okay. But I was more thinking because the smoke would fog up the eye. But, you know, same as the paint would go on the eye and make it, you know, you won't be able to see through it. Well, yeah, that's Same why. as jam. 
Yeah, but that's why they use mud. So that's that's the point of the mud. Yeah, but they could just have a catapult and mud pies on it. Well, yeah. You know? Maybe maybe in the next Dalek story. Trebuchet. That might come up in the next Dalek story. Trebuchet, but, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so the Dalek, uh, so the Doctor then goes into the Dalek ship, launches the ship. The Daleks are then uh, basically chewing out Mavic, basically because he failed again. He he's not very good. They they keep him around, but I know, to be it's fair, funny how you're now saying Mavic, and earlier you said Maverick. Maverick, Maverick. That's Mavic. Mavic. I know, I know. I just I have this problem with names. Then the Daleks are told that the Doctor has escaped again. They send a rescue ship to uh, go out. I think it, I, I'm not sure if it's to. I think it's to pick them up, or is it? Yeah, it must be. If it's a rescue ship, then it's to pick the Daleks up so they can pursue the Doctor. Maverick Chen uses this Dalek failure um, to sort of further his goal a little bit, and then, then the Dalek, uh, then the Doctor plans to make a Terranium copy and fool the Daleks with this. Good work, Doctor! No, of course it won't, my dear boy. It's the whole point. I mean your plan. No, we shall have to make a copy. A copy so exact that we can deceive the Daleks. They'll still want this Terranium back, you know. They won't rest until they get it. Yes, but suppose... There isn't time to suppose. I'm sure the Doctor can copy it well enough. Yes, thank you. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. I'll have a good try. And I think that will give us sufficient breathing space. So then there's a, a noise from the console. They've changed course for Kimball again. Again, that's a sort of autopilot thing that they had in the previous uh, episode. And then Stephen then sort of rips this remote control uh, device out of the ship, takes back control. The Daleks then use a beam, a magneton beam, to pull the ship towards Kimball so they can't escape. Stephen then has an idea on how to get the sort of the fake Tyranium core sort of powered, if you want to say, because obviously Tyranium has its own sort of power source. Mm. If they just give them a lump of metal, they're going to suss it. It's not the right one straight away. Only for then the ship to be shot down. Stephen, in the ensuing sort of uh, shooting down, Stephen does his plan. He hurts himself. The plan actually works, but Stephen is affected and they are sort of enclosed in this sort of force field, which will come into play a little bit later on. The Daleks then are awaiting the Doctor's, uh, or the Dalek slash Doctor's ship. Stephen then heads out with the core. They say that they will hand over the core only when they're outside the TARDIS ship, so obviously they can make a quick getaway. The door is then opened. Stephen is then to give the uh, core only when the Doctor and Sarah are inside the TARDIS. Stephen then gives the core. The Daleks then back for, uh, double-cross them, fires on Stephen, only for this force field to shield him from the blasts. And then he gets in to the TARDIS. The force field is then gone because of the, the Daleks' uh, sort of... Uh, I don't know what it's called. It's, it's more of a, like a ray sort of thing, isn't it? Mm. Sort of a extermination ray. Yeah. The Doctor and Stephen, they have this sort of bickering, arguing again a la Ian, and then they, then Sarah recognises that the console has... I know, I thought Ian was frustrating, but God. Well, yeah. 
So Stephen is a little bit, he's, he's, like you said, he's kneeing clone. He is the same sort of position as Ian. So he's basically fitted into that role. Vickers with the Doctor, all of that. In all of that in between. So then Sarah notices that the TARDIS constantly stopped, so they must have landed, but the scanner's not working. They want to go outside to work it, only for there to be poisonous atmosphere, and that is the end of the episode. And then we're on to the two that we did actually watch today, so a little bit more fresher in the memory. There is The Feast of Stephen. I'll put this as a little bit of a filler episode, because to be fair... It was born. No, yeah, it's not a lot of um, plot line here, so this is going to be a very, very quick skip over this one. Because this one was, uh, I think this was broadcast on Christmas Day. It must have been because it's kind of, it serves as a bit of a Christmas episode. Anyway, we sort of, uh, the TARDIS lands outside this police station where obviously some police officers surveying this TARDIS. Not, is that a place? Because they've never noticed that outside their police station, but it is a police box. So it's not, it kind of is and isn't at a place, if that makes sense. The doctor then goes outside to fix the scanner because he's kind of used to this pollution. Obviously, Stephen and Sarah aren't. Outside the TARDIS, the doctor is stopped by a police officer, but then he goes back into the TARDIS, only for then to say he's going to distract the police officers while Stephen fixes the scanner. The guy comes into uh, the police station to complain about his greenhouse moving. The doctor is being escorted in by the police officers, only to recognise this guy as a merchant from Jaffa. That's a really that was a really weird um, sort of. I don't know why they kind of said that. What it in sort of involves or anything like that. I don't really understand. I know, I was a bit confused why about it's that. just really really confusing. It didn't ever come up again. The guy really doesn't have anything to really do in this episode except for complain about his green nose. Anyway, Stephen then sneaks out of the TARDIS. The Doctor is then being questioned by the police, and the police. Think walks. he's in that job. Yeah, that's I was going to come on to that in a minute, but yep, they do think he's a bit crazy because he goes on about I'm from Space. Space basically, yeah. The police then walk away from the TARDIS for only for Stephen then to sort of slip behind a police car, he spots a uniform in the uh police car, puts it on, goes into the station. Like I say, but you just said the police think that the doctor is crazy. Sarah then comes out of the TARDIS. She's spotted by a police officer. The police want Sarah to move along, in, in sort of quotations, as they always say, move along. But she's got to get this uh, scanner fixed, this scanner eye, as she called it, fixed. Sarah then moves along just to sort of uh, not get arrested, basically, because that's, uh, that's what the police officer threatens her with. The Stephen and Doctor then meet up in the station's like sort of uh, reception area. And Stephen's sort of story about why he's sort of there he's from a different division he knows about the doctor that sort of thing it kind of works and he escorts the doctor out of the station only for then Stephen and sarah to have a little dash into the tardis to escape the police with the doctor then sarah in the meantime while all that was happening when the doctor and Stephen fixed the scanner then we get back to i put back to the plot because obviously we have to get a bit of plot here to remind people what's happening with the tyranium core and the Doctor and all this, their plan is to destroy this Terranium core. Is the Terranium safe? Yes, over there. Oh, I'd forgotten about the Daleks. Now, that's one thing you mustn't do, my dear. Remember, they have the same type of machines and they can follow us. Yes, but they won't have found out about the switch yet. No, I sincerely hope not. 
While we have the Terranium, their plan cannot work. I don't think the Daleks will attack the, so the solar system until they've checked their time destructor. Then what can we do? Well, I think we might perhaps be able to destroy the Terranium before they catch us up. I think we've stopped again. Yes, we might, uh, we might still be on Earth. Wait a minute. Oh, no, the atmosphere has improved considerably. Yes, let's have a look at the scanner. It might tell us something. The TARDIS then stops again. On the scanner is a sort of woman screaming with a circular blade spinning. The Doctor and Stephen Sarah sort of run out of the TARDIS and we find out it's a film set. They then sort of, basically this whole bit, this bit is completely and utterly, this was Pointless. a little bit, it was confusing as well from the telly snaps to be fair. It wasn't really thought out very well. No, it was very, very confusing. Well, it was very poor and it was unnecessary. Well, basically, I think the security comes so that means the Doctor and Stephen and Sarah have to sort of flee away from the set. The Doctor and Stephen are separated from Sarah. They bump into Charlie Chaplin. So there's a little bit of a Charlie Chaplin nod here. Sarah's creeping around on set. She hides in the chest. Uh, in the wardrobe department, the Doctor sort of leaves to find Sarah. And Stephen is then basically made into an actor. Or they kind of want him because they sort of looked at him and thought he'd be a good actor. Basically, it doesn't really matter, to be fair. But... You know, that's what what happened anyway. The Doctor then walks onto the Sheik's set, because they've got this uh, sort of tent, Arab tent, and uh, is mistaken for an expert on, I think it's Arab customs. And then Sarah is discovered in the chest. Steve and Sarah and the Doctor meet back up and go into the TARDIS. And uh, they basically leave, and then they celebrate Christmas, because that's one of the periods they landed earlier. They all have a toast to champagne to Merry Christmas and then the Doctor breaks the fourth wall by looking at the camera and says Happy Christmas to you as well or everyone at home so that's the first time, I think it's the first and only time that in Doctor Who history they break the fourth wall and he looks at the camera and they do a little nod so yeah, so like I say the whole episode's filler, it's a bit of a shame really because this kind of epic saga of a you know, uh, of a serial it's kind of now slow. They slowed it down, and it's now dragging its feet a bit. And then we have to get back onto, back onto plot in the next episode, which is volcano. So there's no real sort of cliffhanger there, because Feast of Stephen isn't really. And again, that title as well, the Feast of Stephen. I know you said it before. It's like St Stephen's. Is that what you're saying? Basically, um, St Stephen's Day. Is um I think over Christmas Day or Boxing Day, right? Um I think so. The feast of Saint Stephen could be another word for meaning Christmas. Yeah, and it's probably just a coincidence or, then that they have a companion called Stephen as hold well. Hold on, I'll just check. I've got a feeling it might be Christmas Day. Well, maybe that's why then it's called the the feast of Stephen. It's a little bit of a a little bit of a double play there on the words maybe because they've got a companion called Stephen and it's a Christmas yeah, episode. Yeah, 26th of, yeah, Boxing Day. So again, it doesn't really even have anything to do with the episode because the episode is Christmas Day unless yeah. it was unless it was broadcast on Boxing Day. I don't know, I haven't Feast got that to hand. Feast of Stephen, yeah, that would be the Feast of St. Stephen. So they're, they're basically celebrating Christmas. Feast of Stephen is Boxing Day. It's really a bit weird. Although that's Stephen's. On the episodes, it was a, with a V. The Saint Stephen is a PH. Well, the episode is a S T E V E N Stephen. Yeah. So it's a bit but strange. It could basically be mean in both ways. Well, that's a bit strange, isn't it? 
because it was about Stephen some in a of way, the, uh, but then it was also around Christmas, so it could be sort of a bit of each. Some of the um the names of the episodes in this series are a bit weird, like Coronas the Sun. It didn't Cor- really yeah, have Corona. anything to do of yeah, a bit of about, bit appropriate with yeah. Corona going on. Well, that is, isn't it? But yeah, it doesn't really have anything to do with any sort of sun or anything. So it's a bit strange. Anyway, last episode of this uh, part. And then we'll go through the last four parts next week. Episode 8, Volcano. So the Daleks are ready to test the Time Destructor as they think they've got the core back. Again, Mavic is sort of bigging up his contribution to regaining the core and sort of saying, I'm the man who got it back and all this, that and the other. Then in the TARDIS, the Doctor discovers that they are being followed by this little blinking light on their little map. So back to the Daleks. They have chosen a um, a target for the Time Destructor. It turns out to be Tyrannus, who's one of the sort of ambassadors, delegates, whatever you want to call him. Leech face. Yep, Mr. Slugface. No, slugs don't just hang there. Leeches, they have to actually grab on and try and suck your blood, so they'd just hang there. If you stood up and there was all slugs on your face, they'd fall off. You don't know that. Yeah, I do. Well, we'll have to try it after the podcast. We'll have to go and dig some, dig some slugs out of the garden. Actually, you wouldn't dig out. slugs because they're on the top of the ground. They don't live under the ground. And well, leeches actually of, live in water. Well, in the UK, I've had a lot of rain, and they normally come out when it rains. That's so, all right. We'll, ju- we'll just put some slugs on your face then and see if they fall off. Okay. Maybe for Halloween party. Uh, I wish. With six of your friends. Anyway. the Well, they... no, because that has to be a total of six. Oh, okay then. We'll be... One friend. One friend, <laughs> yeah, because there's five of us. Anyway. At least they... it doesn't include animals. They go to um, use the time structure. It doesn't really work. The Daleks then accuse Chan of a failure Chen. again. Chen, sorry, I keep saying it. Chen, they accuse him again of fail failure. He keeps doing this. He, like I said, why is he still there? I don't know. They should have just got rid of him and then bumped him off they, and nicked yeah. the terrain. They probably, anyway. they probably would have succeeded by now if they got rid of him because he seems to be the one who keeps cocking it up. Anyway, he sort of yeah, wheedles. He keeps he wheedles his way out of it again as well. So even though he's failed. He wheels his way out of it, and then one of one of Becky's funniest lines. She liked this one. He said, "Well, it came from Uranus." That's the child, the childness in you, Becky. Um, it weren't me who said that. It was one of the children. Well, it is a quite a funny line. It was one of the children, and all I said was, "Trust you to say that." Well, let's see. I thought I put that. It one was in like there. nice to know our children have a sensible, de- you know. I would say a sensible sense of humour, but, you know. Well, there is a child. At the moment, they all are enjoying fart jokes, so. There is a child in everyone. So, that's the little uh, child, childness in Yeah, men, maybe. Yep, so Mavic, he then realises it's a fake core, because he's obviously smart. (laughs) And then the Daleks, the Daleks want to report to Scarrow to get a time machine to pursue the Doctor, and then Chen is to wait for the machine. Before they leave, they then exterminate Tranus for whatever reason. See, they'll exterminate him, but they won't extermin- exterminate Mavic. Exterminate, yeah. Yeah, exterminate, exterminate. To go with your exfoliate. 
a doctor. Oh, yeah, about Mike's foliate. From the last podcast. Pod- See, it was you keep messing up my words. Podcast now. It podcast from the last podcast. It was podcast. caffeinate, not exfoliate. Right. Although there was Loads a lot of, of eight words. Yes. Anyway. Disseminate. The Doctor is obviously still in the TARDIS. Obliterate. He's, he's still being pursued, but he lands the TARDIS in the Mutilate. middle. Right, get them out now before we continue then. No. Okay. Continue. The Doctor then still pursued by this mystery. Yep, he's still being pursued by this uh, blinking light. He has to land the TARDIS on a cricket pitch for some reason. Don't know why. Doesn't really matter. They then leave, but they're still being followed by this mystery, this mystery being, shall we call him? It's a little bit of a clue there, him. Um, the mach- the time machine then arrives, and then Agitate. Chen Chen is then having to accompany the Daleks as they pursue the Doctor. The TARDIS then lands on a volcano planet, so obviously the title, and then the following vessel lands as well, and then it is revealed that it is who, Becky? You obviously weren't paying too much attention. It was the meddling monk. Oh, yeah. So we get the he climbed uh, out of a rock. Yep. Yeah. It's it's a shame that with the meddling monk they didn't say that this was like an original form of the master. I think that would have well, been. Well, I a... was paying attention because I was like, oh, not him again. Well, yeah. Yeah, like I say, it's a shame they don't really allude that this is the first form or a form of the Master. I think it would have been a cool little, little sort of thing. It might come out maybe in a future episode of Doctor Who, never but they never really follow up. the last two Time Lords, they'd kind of have to be the Master. Well, they haven't said that the monk, the monk is a Time Lord. They haven't actually called the Doctor a Time Lord. They don't call the Doctor a Time Lord for quite a while. It's a misconception that he's actually referred to as a Time Lord this early on in the series. But no, it's uh, in the Patrick Charrington era. Right right at the end, at the War Games episode. Right, nerd. So, yeah, well, I just just wanted to know and I looked it up the other week. That's how I know. Nerd. So, like I say, it's basically the Muddler Monk. Outside the TARDIS, the Doctor and the crew are sort of looking for the Pursuer. And then the Doctor has a small idea who it could have been following them. The monk then approaches the, the TARDIS, tries to get inside. Or it looks like it looks like he tries to get inside, but he ends up sort of doing something to the lock. The Doctor then tries sort of shouting for the pursuer. No answer. Only for then the monk to be holding the rock above them. He then comes to his senses, puts the rock down, and then... The Doctor and the Monk, they have this sort of bantering conversation like they did in the Time Meddler. And then we find out that he bypassed the Dimensional Controller. And that's how he got out of that predicament. And that, like I said, the Monk and the Doctor have a little bit more banter. Only for then the Monk to say, I've returned the favour and stranded you, Doctor, on this planet. Congratulations for your escape. Uh, are quite in order. Oh, thank you. Most kind of you, Doctor. Yes, it took a bit of time, but I finally managed to bypass the dimensional controller. Yes, a very, a very interesting solution, yes, I'm sure, though I'm, I think it would make for rather an uncomfortable ride. However, I don't suppose it affected you very much, being an amateur. <laughs> yes, it was rather uncomfortable, but then, can't have everything, can we? Then the Doctor and the crew run back to the TARDIS, only for the Doctor to find out that the monks jammed the lock. Then the Doctor 
again, he's a very clever man, the Doctor. He seems to be too clever for most people, by the looks of it. He uses his ring no and the sun. No one butt anymore. Oh, that's, that's it. Brown noser. I know, I know. The Doctor then uses his ring and the sun as like a, a sort of magnifying glass type thing to burn uh, the lock and then it opens and then they leave. And then the the, uh, monk is looking on in disbelief and then we find that the sun has unusual powers on that planet. How the Doctor knows that, I don't know. But anyway. He could have just used a magnifying glass. I don't Mm. understand. Yeah, but I think he's saying like, the uh, sort of the powers of the sun, special powers of the sun, mixed in with the crystal and the ring, is what helped open the lock. So the Daleks and Chen, obviously, they go into this time machine. They leave, and then the Daleks announce, "We have to start the countdown." And I put the Daleks love a countdown, Becky. They really do. Again, this is um, is it Daleks invasion of Earth, if I remember right, where they had like a a sort of ninety second countdown. To lower the bomb or something. If yeah. I'm right. This time they have like a 90 second countdown to launch the time machine. Again, it's really weird because we've had we've seen this time machine before in the chase. Yeah. They sort of got into it. It disappeared straight away. Now, for some reason, they have to have a countdown, and then you get. It's just really weird. Like the da- uh, the Doctor's TARDIS. You basically push a switch or flick a lever, and it goes. Why isn't the Daleks? They're so advanced technologically why don't they have a button that they probably why? have all the sequence that they have to do well it's weird isn't it? well maybe maybe 90 seconds is how long it takes their plunger to push the button because obviously they don't have no hands but they could have got mavic chen to press the button yeah i know someone who can push my buttons in a point not point not 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 mm. once of a second is it a child by any chance Anyway, the Dardis then lands New Year's Eve, Trafalgar Squares. The machine then gets down to uh, number one. It launches, and then the next episode is called The Golden Death. And that's the end. And that's the end of our four episodes. So, except for that, if we take out episode seven, The Feast of Stephen, throw that out of there because it doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Overall, what did you think? The first four episodes, you said a little bit slow. Dragon. A little bit draggy. Yes. No, not a little bit dragon. It is dragon. What's a dragon? Well, there's several. There's a Japanese one, a Chinese one. I was going to say. Well, there's even Puff the Magic Dragon. But say, no, what it, I'm saying is it's dragging. It's fire breathing. Dragon. Yeah, it is. You know. It's boring as hell. I don't really want to go through it in this episode about the overall thoughts of the whole serial, but... This serial is actually like really highly thought of by fans. It's one of the ones that they want in the archives the most. Um, you know, yes, we are watching Loose Cannon recons. Do they do it justice? Probably not. The episodes that are the, the there's another episode in the next batch, so it's kind of it's kind of funny how the how the how it's gone. There is one live episode in each of our three episodes, so we saw um, I can't remember what it was, uh, Day of Armageddon, I think it was. I think it was the live one from the first batch last podcast. This time, I think it was um, Counterplot. I think is the episode in the archives, and then there's another one in the next four. So we do get to see the live ones. And 
the live ones, I think they're definitely better. Yeah. Because you get them to see the overall thing. I ain't got no issue with the TV snaps because there's been a fair few TV snaps that have been all right. But, you know, like the Feast of Stephen and things like that, that was really confusing. It's, it was. It was not only that. That episode didn't need to be in the middle, and the whole lot just seems to be a massive big drag at the moment. Like you know, I said, like, why put the whole thing in twelve episodes? They could have probably done it in eight. Well, there must have been a reason why there was twelve episodes. It's it's got to be to They're do probably with in the middle of another story. Yeah, it's got to do with season count or something like that, or how many episodes per season that they're allowed to do. Maybe it's got something to do with that. Maybe they just wanted a big epic one. No, yeah, well, it weren't very epic. Well, it'd be, well, it'd be really good, and you know, obviously, we'll save the overall ratings and stuff like that, and we'll look at the poll to see it was and Mark Campbell's review. I know Mark Campbell's review is quite high, um, but we'll get to that next week. But I will say it'd be nice to to compare. And this is the thing that's good with the podcast is that we can look back at this and then compare it, like. This is a 12-episode serial. It is dragging a little bit, but you never know. The next four episodes might pull it back, and it might get really, really good and exciting and that. Yeah, but and still, again, if the next four episodes are really good, then and the last four were pretty much all right, why don't they just have them and basically cut the crap in the middle? Well, that is true, and they do do that Trim a lot. Trim the fat! Wasn't it? Uh, what was the one? What's the serial we did what see my memory's really bad that serial we watched where it was the chase it was the chase the dalek mm-hmm. story they had two episodes in the middle with the mary celeste and the horror house they could have cut them out and they could have had it as a four part yeah. it's a little bit like that now but you know it'll be nice like saying what i was going to say was that we can look back and compare things so patrick troughton's very last serial was 10 episodes it's the war games now to me I think that's a really good one. Well, obviously, it's a little bit off into the future. It's quite a long while, several months yeah. away. But it'll be nice to be able to compare these two to see how they did this 12 part, how they did that 10 part, what they've learned, you know, about the writing, what the pace, you know, all this sort of thing. But then we do have to sort of remember that there is only three episodes out of 12 that's actually in the archive. So it's a bit of a sort of detriment to it to not really say, well, this is absolutely crap. You know, it's not. I don't think it is. I think it does have good moments, and I think maybe it doesn't help the fact that we're kind of watching four, four, and four. But it was kind of the only way to keep these podcasts to sort of forty minutes long instead of like two hours Boring to do the whole thing. Is. That's it. So maybe it is meant to be because I know how much people like my voice and comedy mm. over yours. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You do know you. Funny looking. Yeah, up yours. So, yeah, so, you know. I'm not funny looking, I am just hilarious. Just think about it this way. We can actually view. You wish you were funny as well. We can view four episodes in a row, whereas think about it back in the 60s when it first aired, they were watching one a week for 12 weeks. So, for three months, they were watching this serial. So, you know. Anyway. We'll have to, like I say, dive into the next four episodes, which if I quickly have a look to see what the four episodes actually are, to round off the serial, we'll have Golden Death, like I said, Escape Switch, The Abandoned Planet, and The Destruction of Time. And it's getting 
kind of closer and closer to the point where the episodes didn't have titles. So then we'll go to episode one, two, and three, and four, or five, and six, or whatever, so on. But like I say, it's not going to be long before uh, William Hartnell has to wave goodbye. It's coming rapidly fast. This is kind of kind of going to miss him. I know, I know. We've been uh, watching it for quite a while now, you know. And yeah, it's going to be part of the family. It's going to be quite sad to see him go. But then we have to say hello to Patrick Troughton. He kind of reminds me of my granddad in a way because he used to get stroppy till you actually knew him, and then. You know, and then he'd sort of be like a total wind-up merchant. But then he'd also be a bit cantankerous if you peed him off. So he sort of reminds me, you know, William Hartnell sort of reminds me of him a little. So, yeah, it'd be nice to get which, is, which has been nice for the past, you know, for the past, like, four or five months, you know. But it's kind of, kind of you know, going to miss it. Yeah. But we're going to wave hello to Patrick Troughton. I'm really, really well, looking. You don't really wave looking... hello. Oh, you say hello. Yeah, you don't. Really... But I'm looking forward to getting to Patrick Troughton because I haven't really viewed Patrick Troughton's season. That'll be is that the kind one with a dodgy one. haircut? Like yeah, the sort of pudding bowl haircut type thing. Oh God, and, he looks like and the recorder. <laughs> he had a recorder. Fucking recorder. So anyway, social media is so all. Who was the celery? That's uh, Peter Davison. Uh, why is salary? So well, in case you get hungry. Who knows? We'll find out because when we get to, be to Patrick. Honest, well, salary, we'll find out when we get to Peter Davison, which is going to be thought, way, for way one, off. I wouldn't future. leave salary in your jacket pocket for a start, not without some hummus anyway. Oh, it's probably a fresh, fresh, whatever you want to call it, stick, stick of salary. Yeah, but without the hummus, it's just Every pointless. Time. But anyway, social media Need is the hummus. Social media is in the description. Um, Patreon's in the description, and so is Teespring. And Matt still needs to get me a hoodie sorted because oh, no, it's getting cold get and I'm freezing. I do mean to get one, and we will get one. So until next week, and we... I mean in general, not for Christmas. Okay. So until next week, when we get the last four episodes of the Daleks Master Plan, I think we'll leave it there. So. Looks like a little bit of a sort of a sloppy, sloppy sort of podcast, to be fair, because, like I say, we did watch them a week ago, so they aren't as fresh in the memory. And uh, sadly, we had that bit of filler. So it, it's not it's not been the most sort of interesting of podcasts, I would say. But like I say, if you do, I will quickly just say, if you do listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, then why don't you drop us a review as well if you like what we're doing maybe a five-star review. And until next week, I'll say goodbye and say goodbye, Becky. Bye-bye. Goodbye.